0: Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Their brother, Lazarus, was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. And then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you might believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, who's called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we might die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and to Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to Jesus, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the one coming into the world. When she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to Jesus. Now, Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, "'Lord, come and see.' And Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, "'See how he loved him.' But some of them said, "'Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man "'have kept this man from dying?' Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, "'Take away the stone.' Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there's a stench. He's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I've said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they might believe You sent me. When he'd said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound in strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. The Gospel of the Lord. As Good as it is, this story. I don't think the most important thing about this story has as much to do with the miracle of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead as we might believe. I might be wrong about that, but it's not the most important thing for me anyway, at least for a couple of reasons. First of all, I don't think Lazarus' resuscitation is the most meaningful thing about it all, partly because it doesn't happen often enough in ways we wish that it would or think that it should, or maybe in ways that we even deserve sometimes, as far as I'm concerned. Who among us has not wished, hoped, and prayed for someone we love to have a second chance to live again after a disease? Or an accident, or even after a long life well lived. We would almost always call on Jesus, just like Martha and Mary did, to do for our loved ones just what Jesus did for Lazarus, would we not? But I haven't heard of many successful returns on that kind of prayerful investment. The second reason I'm not sure Lazarus' walk from the tomb is the most important thing about all of this, as marvelous and as miraculous as that magic trick would have been to witness, it didn't last forever. Lazarus died again eventually, so there's that. And for that reason, some people consider all of this like I said, more of a resuscitation than a resurrection, but that might be splitting some theological hairs. So I always have to remind myself that this story may not be as much about resurrection from the dead as I'm inclined to think at first. Maybe it doesn't have so much to do with Jesus' power to give physical life back to someone who's lost it. After all, What we've heard about this morning isn't the be-all and end-all of resurrection stories. We will hear more about that in a couple of weeks on Easter Sunday. So what could be the point other than the resurrection stuff? Where is some meaning here that we can sink our teeth into? I'm thinking maybe it has as much or more to do with New life as we know it, right here for those of us still living, still moving, still breathing in the world on this side of our respective graves. What Jesus shows us and what he shows Lazarus and the sisters Mary and Martha and what he shows anyone else who is watching that day somewhere just outside of Bethany is that tombs aren't just for dead people. I think that sounds like a commercial. Tombs, they're not for dead people anymore. So you might say that disciples, around Jesus anyway, are living in their own kind of naive tombs about the fullness of Jesus' ministry and what he was up to. They're still trying to protect him. At every turn. They're not understanding what it means to walk in the light and in the spite of the darkness around them, no matter how many times he's tried to teach them and tell them and show them otherwise. Mary and Martha were living in tombs of their own, of grief and despair and blame and of lack of faith about what had happened. They're missing their brother. They're angry at God. They're frustrated that Jesus didn't show up in time and all the things that go along with that. And of course there was the crowd, from town, presumably mixed with all kinds of people living in all sorts of proverbial tombs themselves. Some curious, some suspicious, some apparently murderous. They tried to stone him not so many days before, we're told, over all that they'd heard, all that they'd seen, everything they thought they believed or knew about who Jesus was. So, what about us? If tombs aren't just for dead people, where do they show up in our lives? What are they doing there? What are we doing there? Like so much else, when it comes to the faith we wrestle with, there are as many answers as there are people to ask these hard kind of questions. So I wonder, where are our tombs? What is it that keeps us from really living Holy living, faithfully living right here and now. Maybe it is an addiction or a bad relationship. Maybe it is fear of failure or fear of success. Maybe it's some kind of bigotry or a lack of faith. Maybe it's something in our past or something in our present or something that's yet to come. What kind of caves are we afraid to come out of? A cave that's comfortable because we've been in it for a while? A cave that seems like the right place to be only because we've never known anything different? A cave that holds a secret, maybe, that we're too afraid to tell? What is it that we find ourselves buried beneath? Work, family obligations, school, stereotypes, debt, doubt, guilt, shame, bad decisions, worse luck. Maybe it's something you can't even put a name on. There are all sorts of things in our lives and in this world that keep us entombed buried in anything but living the life that God would have for us. And the more time I spend with people, particularly it seems for some reason people in the church, the more it seems to me that God's greater challenge isn't to raise us from the dead once we've stopped breathing. It seems sometimes like the greater miracle Is for God to wake us up and call us out of the graveyards of habit and tradition, to carry us out of cemeteries of comfort and complacency and low expectations, to dig us out of tombs of hopelessness and helplessness and sadness and despair. But that is what I see God doing today. As much for Mary and for Martha and for the people of Bethany, all of them who were still alive and well and breathing, just as much as he did it for Lazarus, who is dead as a doornail and starting to decay already. He calls them all out of their tombs. He invites them all to live again differently on the other side of it. So maybe that's the invitation that all of us are meant to hear today too, to wonder about, to pray about, to long for faith and courage enough to respond to every day and maybe especially now in these waning days of Lent just before we find ourselves at the foot of the cross and on the other side of this Easter tomb. From what? Out of what? Away from what and toward what are we being called? Come out of what is expected and do that thing. Volunteer for that project, get involved in that ministry, sign up for that class, take that job or leave that job finally. Come out of what's always been safe and comfortable. Give away that gift or offer up your time or extend that mercy finally. Come out of your pride and ask for help. Ask for direction. ask for forgiveness. We all have things that keep us entombed that keep us in the dark, that keep us locked up or locked away from what God would have us do or be or become in this world. This morning and every day that we gather around word and sacrament and in the presence of one another, we are hearing God's call to us to come out of our tombs, to step into God's light to throw off the darkness and the trappings that tie us up and that keep us down and that prevent us from living most fully as God intends. So as we wait and as we long and as we hope for Easter, let's plan to come out and come out from wherever you are. Let's hear God calling our name in a way that we have not heard it before. Let's accept the invitation for a change and step into a new way of living right where we are. Let's be unbound by the good news that even though tombs may not be just for dead people anymore, neither are things like resurrection and new life and second chances. We all stand to be revived to be resuscitated, to be raised up in some way to get a taste of everlasting life, not just after we are dead and gone, but on this side of heaven too, right where we live, thanks to the grace we share and that calls us by name in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.